Blog Talk Radio. Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Kim Lakin. I'm your host this evening. My beautiful co-host this evening is Dr. Nancy. So she's on with us. And tonight, um, we're just going to form, so it's kind of a special topic night because we don't have a guest. So those who call in can form a panel um, Bill writes on here that'll describe and be critical of NASCA's tools, programs, and services. Just call in to participate or to suggest a topic. So you can call in on 646-595-2118. I see we've got a couple people on already, so we'll get a conversation going. So um, at NASCA, we, um, we have two goals. And one of, so I'm sorry, I started that whole thing wrong. Okay. <laughs> we have a single purpose at NASCA, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect, and we do so with two goals. One, by educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, also known as CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone, two, by offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And this evening, we are on scan number 3183. And we, again, would love to have you call in and be a part of our panel this evening. That number is 646-595-2118. And um, we will just start opening up, I guess, and see if anybody has a topic that they would like to share. So, hi, Dr. Nancy. Welcome. Hey. Good evening. Good evening. Hi. 
so great to be here with you guys this evening. We have some wonderful people with us tonight joining us. Hi, Bob. I heard you say hello. Hi, Philip. Hello. Hey, yeah, good day. Hi, Bob. And I've got a, a, I've got a topic that I would um, like to discuss. Awesome. That's good. Well, you yeah. can get us started then, Bob. Thanks for calling. <laughs> yeah, and thanks for calling me, Bob. I don't, like, uh, I don't like being called you don't like Mr. Bob. I don't. Um, oh, you don't like Mr. Me, Bob? Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's just that I don't like putting labels on people. For me, the only place for labels is in the supermarket. But you can call me Captain Bob if you like, or... Call me Bob, but whatever you do, just don't call me late for dinner, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Okay, well, absolutely. Yeah, everything I share really um, is aimed at what I have achieved, and that's uh, total recovery from depression. And if you're wondering why um, depression relates to... um, child abuse it was the the my child abuse the trauma my violent childhood that actually um was the the major uh cause of my adult life depression and so what i'd like to throw on the table is um initially you know and this can just go off in any direction do anything on what what response it sparks from people but um one of the things that was very important for me after I'd healed the wounds of my childhood was I realized that the words that I choose to use create my reality. And, and, and like, you know, when I, when I went to school, the first thing I was taught was how to spell, but I was taught their spells. So now, um, I, you, I, I, place my words with surgical precision and it's taken me years and years to to retrain myself and examples of words that I no longer use are we and you I can I can I feel comfortable speaking to the we and to the you that's okay but I cannot speak for the we or for the you because I have no authority to speak for anybody else but me and so those are that's that's how I deal with we and you and also um, some words that I've stricken from my um, vocabulary are should would could got to or ought to because all of those words um, decry conscious choice now if I'm going to do something I'd say, right, I'm going to do that. Not, oh, I've got to do that, you know. You know I kept saying, I just realized I've got to do that. And then, why? Why have I got to do that? So now um, I really, really choose my words consciously. Um, yeah, and the most powerful position, and I challenge anybody listening, the most challenging position is to start just using I statements to speak from your own personal life experience because for me my personal life experience is that's all I've got that's my story 
and that's my power and that is inviolate when I share my story nobody can gainsay it because it is my truth um, and so often I get people coming back with their opinion of my truth and for me all opinions are worthless they're like hearsay evidence in court you know they have no no merit so all that I can ever share is simply what I've experienced in my life and which is my truth and also the results and conclusions that I've come to from any research that I've personally carried out you know so many people have so many opinions but where do they get them from oh, I got it from a newspaper you know I heard it on the radio or oh my neighbor was talking about it well <laughs> oh yeah anyway if that's a suitable topic for you then um, let's go around with it the power of words um, and sim simple ones like most people when I sign off on my emails or letters I don't put cheers or enjoy I, I type in enjoy I-N-J-O-Y enjoy Bob and I'm always making up new words but they you know that's that's a secret I think anyway if that's an interesting topic great if not I've got loads of others on um, the tools I've discovered to um, move beyond depression to this beautiful place of contentment night living but I'll throw it on the table and see where it goes yeah no I love that topic Bob thank you I think um, definitely that's something that I have been paying a lot more attention to as well in the last year or so or, or people's words and what and if they're going to keep their word on what they do because I like you I make sure that nothing comes out of my mouth that I'm not going to do if I say I'm going to do something, then I do it. And um, because I don't want to, you know, I've always had that reputation of I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And um, so I love that. So we could just open it up and see if Dr. Nancy has anything she wanted to say or fill up about the topic. Well, that was, that was beautiful what you shared because for me, that's how I live. And for me, that is the most important word in our civilization at the moment just to do what you say you're going to do just means you're living in integrity and and that is the most important word for mankind at the moment for everybody to to live in integrity i'll shut up now <laughs> that's okay no that's great you're sharing and we need that um what i want to say um miss kim was definitely um, you know, I've had to work on not expecting me out of people uh, because that has caused me to walk in that spirit of offense. Like, I know I wouldn't do that for someone. I know that I, if I say I'm going to do something, I would do it. If I say that um, I'm going to make a phone call or I'm going to reach out to someone or I'm going to help with something, I'm going to do it. Or, you know, I would just expect me out of people. And so I've been trying to work on taking that expectancy off of others um, because it makes it just, just makes it a little, a little easier. I want to also make another comment. You know, we're all from different parts of the country and all different parts of the world, okay? 
Um, and so in my country, we're very formal in the area of miss and mister and respecting adults and respecting elders. There's just certain things that I'm having a difficult time because I deal with at-risk youth. I deal with the incarcerated youth. Um, and and I went through that. I, I was an at-risk youth myself, so I'm not saying anything uh, negative about them. But in my country, there was discipline, okay? And you would get a little behind whooped and, you know, things like that. And so um, I was taught from a young age. That's why a lot of times I use the miss and the missus or the mister. And so, you know, mister, well, sorry, saying that he doesn't want to be called mister, no problem. You know, I won't call him mister. But that I just wanted to share with you all, just to share my heart that, that just comes from growing up and where I grew up, it was straight. Like um, in this country, the way that some of these kids get away with and um, some of the kids around me that I see get away with stuff. When I was growing up, I used to get my tail walked and we had to have a high level of respect uh, for others. And so um, that's something that's been engraved in me. And, uh, you know, and I and and I know in this country I notice a lot of people are like that's weird. Why does she say that? And I've had a lot of people say it to me uh, separate times, but I try to explain to them like it's just a cultural thing. Where in my country, Costa Rica, that's how we speak and that's normal to us. Uh, and so they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And um, you know, but that's where that comes from. And then now going back to um, what Miss Kim said as far as you know. Um, just just for me, I hold myself accountable. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. I've been doing – today's been a rough day for me. I have not had one break because of the level of commitments that I made today. As a matter of fact, I'm supervising a group while we're on the show, which finishes at 830 today, and um, it's a narcolepsy group, and I'm um, the main host person, one of, one of the main host people. And so, you know, I'm not needed at this time, so it doesn't affect. But I, so uh, that's something that I'm doing. Also, you know, covering for one of our dear sisters who um, is not going to be available for the month, I say, hey, you know what? I'll make myself available. And you know what that means? If I have to juggle two things, hey, I committed to it. I said I'm going to do it to try to make things easier on the team. And then if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So I can really relate to what you said, Kim. Um, and I appreciate that you're like that. Okay, I appreciate that you have that that type of heart and that type of care for the team. And then when you commit to something, and you do show up. And if you can't show up, you find a backup for the, for your um, for yourself. And I think that that's very very a uh, wonderful trait to have. Many times when we've been through abuse and or neglect and abandonment, um, a lot of times abusers or children or people who have been abused become that, that become like the abusers. But I think it's, a, it's such a, um, it comes from such a deep level of empowerment and strength when you're able to overcome what you went through, work through, work to overcome what you went through, and also, because you're not what you've been through, and you, you're you not who hurt you, you are that beautiful person, that beautiful soul that you were before those things. So, you know, taking those steps into your own empowerment 
It's very important. And one of those things is if you say that you're going to do something, you care enough to be there to, to finish your commitment and to do it. So I just wanted to agree with you and say that I appreciate that trait about you. And that's it for now. Well, that was that was lovely. That was awesome. And what what I've just demonstrated is um, a part of what I call my Sue principle, S-U-E, we're all sovereign, unique, and equal. Now, going through my life, I've often come across people that, um, you know, especially when I'm struggling, um, with phrases like, oh, I don't know what you need to do, mate. Um, and my response to that is, yeah, fine, I hear you, but I'm here to live my life my way, not your way. If you want to be a true friend, be around when I put my hand up and ask for help. So rather than being that sort of dogmatic uh, person that I used to be, you know, um, telling people what to do, I've got no authority over anybody, you know. But where I have 100% absolute power is in asking for what I want. That is that is a, an inalienable right, and everybody has the same right. And for me, life is simple. For me, there's only one law, do no harm, and I've only got one right, and that's the right of self-determination. But what I love about the word integrity, and I don't know if you guys have done any um, research into the Mayan calendar, but there's a beautiful guy who's passed away recently in... Sal Lungold, he deciphered the Mayan calendar and one of the main Mayan calendar just plots the evolution of consciousness since the beginning of life and it goes through stages now the stage that we I think it was 2012 there was this big panic oh the Mayans said the world's going to end but no they weren't they weren't saying the world was going to end it was the the beginning of the end of an age and it was the beginning of the end of the age of power and the beginning of the beginning of the age of integrity so since to 21st of December 2012 um, the age of integrity has been coming in coming in and overshadowing the age of power and when I look around the world I notice it happening more and more people uh, having the courage to go and find their truth and speak their truth and live their truth. And I know things are crazy in the world at the moment, but that's understandable because this beast that is the age of power, um, or the powers that think they are, um, is dying. And it's just becoming more and more desperate in its final death throes. But that, that, um, that wisdom from the minds really gives me great comfort in knowing that we are, we are we are entering a beautiful age of integrity and the evolution of consciousness is exponential when we've just turned the corner. So if you think things are busy now, hang on tight for a wild ride because they're only going to get better and better and better. And um, if you feel that um, time is speeding up, I would say that Time is not speeding up. Creation is. There are more and more choices in every moment than there were in the previous moment. 
So words are amazing, aren't they? Yeah. I'll, I'll shut up now and give somebody else a go. Anybody want a cup of coffee? <laughs> You're fine. You've always got us at night. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but we're at night time. We're not morning time like you are. I can't drink coffee or I'll be awake all night. In my country, but we I drink coffee in the sleep. morning, night, and the daytime. It doesn't matter. And we go to sleep. <laughs> Well, my, body, yeah. Yeah, my body wakes me up. My body wakes me up um, about 3 a.m. every day. So, and that's when I I do most of my writing. It's uh, it's uh, a magical time for me because the the world is still and silent. There are no sounds of man, and also I get to um, witness uh, the false dawn and the dawning of a new day, and get to hear the first bird song of every new day. And I love the way the different birds take it in turns day by day to sing in the new day. Like one day it's the curlews, the next day it's the kookaburras, then it's the lorikeets. You know, it's like they've got this little rotor worked out. (laughs) It's an amazing time to wake up. A little bit of nonsense. (laughs) No, I love that. And I've, really become more able to enjoy, I think, the nature around me. When I was raising my kids, it seemed like I was always just so busy. I mean, you're just going and going and and not having the time to stop and smell the roses, right? We need to do that once in a while, (laughs) literally and figuratively. Roses are one of my favorites. Well, for me, it's, it's so true, you know. Um, sorry. For me, science is the sickness and nature is... Science is the sickness and nature is the cure. For far too long, mankind has been worshipping technology and science as the god and looking to science and technology to fix all the problems. Where in where I'm coming from is science... Blindly following science has led to all the world's problems at the moment. You know, if you look at people saying, uh, the scientists are saying, oh, global warming, climate change, too high CO2 levels. Well, nature's got a solution for that, and it's stop chopping down trees. You know, <laughs> if, we, if, yeah. if we stop chopping down trees, there wouldn't be a CO2 problem. And CO2 isn't a problem, actually. If you do the research going back through geological time, there are times when the Earth's CO2 levels were many, many times higher. And during those times, the planet was all was more greener. It was more, it was more tropical. It's all this thing in the media about climate change and that. It's a load of bullshit. Right. Hey, what's has Philip got anything to say? Yeah, I was going to ask that too. Philip, are you there? You want to get on the conversation? Well, actually, I'd like to agree with Dr. Nancy and Bob because lately I've been trying to keep my word. So that's something that makes me feel good. Yeah. yeah. And I think it is more especially as you get older and you start to do more things. I mean, it's 
is something that could easily just come out of your mouth. You know, oh, yeah, I'll do that the other night. But as you get older, I think you really need to start to pay attention and understand what you are getting into so that you don't <laughs> get all wound up in, every, in too many things, which I did find myself doing when I was raising my kids because I just wanted to be, you know, all three of them. They were, like, at three different schools, and I just always wanted to be wherever they were. And so, I mean, there were times that I just wanted to run away, say, no, I can't do this anymore. But then again, it was what I've always wanted to do, was to be a mom and, and stay home with my kids. So, I mean, I definitely appreciate that I had that opportunity to do that. But anything can get you kind of down if you, any job, doesn't matter what the job is. Well, I I find that uh, I find that um, if I'm taking a boat out, you know, I'm on the ship's master, the captain, then that's what I'm addressed as, because I'm now in business mode. I've got my business hat on, not my friendship hat on, and also uh, being a ship's captain there needs to be that structure of discipline so that the, the crew the crew call me captain or skipper <clears throat> and that's all right in that environment but when i'm not in that environment then you know bob is what i like you know i've been called many things in my life my 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 wife used to call me darling amongst other things <laughs> and my children called and my children call me dad, but, you know, yeah. And God, I don't know what God's, God knows who I am without a name, you know. I have a name, I am not a name. Ah, oh, dear. I came up yeah. with this little meme. <laughs> I came up with this little meme that's in one of my books. Um, my words are my spells, so I do cast them wisely. For the universe is always listening and takes everything I say literally, literally. And that's what has, that's been my experience. The words that I use really do create my reality. So that's that's why my life is so great now, because I use great words. <laughs> that is so good. There and that's so go. true. Words do have power. And what you said is that they do create your reality. I mean, everything about what you said was so poetic, but it's so true. It was beautiful. Yeah. I was going to say that, too. Yeah. You're, you're very good with words, Bob. <laughs> I don't feel like I am most of the time, but I appreciate it that you are. <laughs> well, I don't know where it came was, from, though, isn't it? Um, this is my this is my 59th year as a paid stage performer, and um, my passion. I've been in all sorts of bands, you know, but my passion is sort of folk music. I toured Australia for 10 years in my um, Volkswagen Combi, love and peace, man, playing at all the um, folk festivals, and I don't know if that helped me to become a storyteller. But since I've stopped touring, my passion has become writing. And, you know, 
the only thing I ever wrote before were technical bulletins or inter-office memos and stuff. But since I started writing about depression, which is my my passion, if you like, um, it just flows, and it and it flows the best in those wee small hours. It's like what I what I say or what I write doesn't come from me; it comes through me. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing to be in touch with um, yeah something bigger than me. And do you feel, Bob, that that is a necessity for healing if you've had trauma in your childhood? I think. Yeah, I think. what I did by healing the wounds of my childhood was I broke the multi-generational cycle of abuse. Um, because in my own journey, it was my first panic attack was November 1984. But I started doing the work on the inner child in the early 90s with the help of John Bradshaw. And I was at the stage where, God, I hate you, Mum. You're always beating me. And I... And, but you've got to love your mum. You've only got one mum, you know. And that dichotomy <coughs> was tearing my soul apart. But by sharing my story, by writing a letter to mum and telling her my story and getting her story back, I came to realise that, yes, mum was doing her very, very best. But all that she could do was dump on me what got dumped on her. So by writing that letter and getting her story back, I could move from A through understanding back to love. And that's that's how I broke the multi-generational cycle of abuse. And I reckon, um, I say I don't give advice, but uh, I strongly recommend everybody go and do the inner child work. Heal the wounds of your childhood. Um, because in this society that we currently live in, Um, I cannot imagine any child in any family growing up and having all its um, developmental needs met. And it is my belief and my decision that it only takes one instant event or act to break that sacred trust that the child has for its parents and it's it's that one just that one moment of child abuse if you like is enough to do the damage and yet i was brought up in the era of oh spare the rod and spoil the child i think mum was mum was trying to beat me into goodness <laughs> what works for me and I'd gladly share it and because we're all unique well you know I can only speak for myself but I just got this sneaky feeling that because all of us have grown up in the same society then a lot of what I share will resonate with other people that hear it and that's why I'm committed to my mission which is to eradicate suicide because 
but every 40 seconds somebody dies because of depression and they do not have to and I'm living proof of that and that is my passion now you know I've got so much zest for life now because I'm following my passion and I turned 71 this year and I just wish I had this this zest for living you know when I was 25 <laughs> just imagine where I'd be now I said the same thing, Bob. I'm like, if we all only had the wisdom that we have now <laughs> in our 50s, but then we wouldn't have been. I mean, we had to make those mistakes so that we can learn it, I, I guess. That's what I'm told. <laughs> yeah, to I, I agree. Yeah, I agree, darling. It's like the way I look at it is every step I've ever taken, however painful, has brought me here to contentment. So I had to go through the fire, you know, like Phoenix rising from the ashes. I had to go through the fire to forge the new me. And I love the new me. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, and I feel like I'm a lot in the fire right now. (laughs) That's what I'm going through. But um, I can see that there is a light at the end of that tunnel. And you know, I believe that things can definitely get better. But, I, you know, like I said before, I think you've got to struggle to get through life and to learn lessons and all that. But it, does, it kind of sucks. <laughs> I prefer not to have yeah. to learn the lessons. Just, you know through life that would be good yeah for me life's not supposed to be comfortable it's supposed to be exciting but that's just me um but in my own journey i had to face my own death i had to take that leap of faith um to trust in my my intuition and my my inner knowing that was my rite of passage when i did that one night um and it's synonymous with all tribal cultures like um you know the young young ones in in tribes they get to a certain age where they're taken away by the elders and put through um initiation into adulthood (coughs) which usually involves them facing their own death you know by leaping off the top of a tall tree with a vine around their ankle or diving off a tall cliff and that that rite of passage no longer exists in Western society, does it? So there's a, there's a lot of what I call 50-year-old, 5-year-olds running around out there. <laughs> but hopefully, yep. hopefully we, yeah, hopefully we can change that. And I think we, and I don't like using the word for we, um, but I think as more and more people wake up, How's best to explain it? The best thing that I can do is simply to let my own light shine. And that attracts other people. Like, Bob, why are you so bouncy? Why are you so positive? And it starts a dialogue. And in that way, you know, the the joy spreads, the information spreads. Because I believe we're all Sue, sovereign, unique, and equal. Because we're all equal, then for me, everyone holds a piece of the puzzle. And simply by sharing our stories, 
we help to heal each other. And so that finding your story, writing your story, sharing your story is so important. Not sharing other people's stories or the story you heard on the TV. TV. I haven't had a television since 1995. <laughs> oh, dear. Please, somebody take over. Just get on the internet. <laughs> you just get on the internet and watch stuff. Well, the, I love the internet, and you know what? The Mayans predicted the birth of the internet. Clever little devils, weren't they? You know, all these tribal people in the jungle down there. What? But they, and they got it, got the date just spot on. <clears throat> but what they called it was the birth of global consciousness. And if that doesn't describe the internet, I don't know what does. That's a brilliant description. For the first time in this current um, life of man on the planet, we can communicate instantly across the world. And I believe that's, that's what we do have we have now tapped into a global consciousness and it's for us to create the consciousness that we want to live in. Wow, that's pretty deep, eh? <laughs> that was really good, Bob. <laughs> that was. That's a good one. <laughs> create our own reality and I think I know for me, like going into marriage was, I was kind of, you know, giving myself to him and I wanted to be there for him and I wanted to stay home and cook his meals and, you know, take care of everything, take care of the kids. But then you really do lose yourself when you do that, if you go into that that type of situation into a marriage, for instance, um, not knowing who you are or not knowing that you are a separate being from this person that you're marrying and that, um, you know, it's okay to have different thoughts, it's okay to have different opinions, but when you go into, I'm going to serve this person, you know, as much as I can, which is basically what I, I felt I needed to do. That was what I thought my life was, you know, my life's work. And I don't regret it, but I would have done things differently if I would have, you know, if I could go back and do it differently as far as raising the kids goes. But um, but they all grew up healthy and happy and safe. So that was my main goal. But the whole emotional, I think, aspect of why I, you know, that I wasn't healed as I was raising my children definitely played a role in how they were raised. And some well, what, things I didn't what, even what, realize. Well, mostly. What, what, I noticed, what I noticed about my relationships before I healed um, was, you know, I'd, I'd go out to a nightclub or a dance and I'd, my eyes would catch the eyes of a lovely lady across the the room and there's this you know this magic this chemistry <laughs> and it always led to a, a really horrendous relationship 
just like my mum and dad had, you know, it was like World War Three at home every night. <clears throat> and it was, I realised that because of the wounds of my childhood, that left wounds in, holes in my development, if you like. And so subconsciously, my holes were out there looking for somebody that could fill those holes and complete me. But it was the realisation that <clears throat> I am the only expert in my life. I am the only one that can complete me. I, I'm the only one that can do the work that I need to do to become wholesome. And this this whole thing about political correctness, you know, for me, uh, political correctness is the epitome of codependent behaviour and the absolute antithesis of free speech. Now, I speak my truth, so I'm just sharing data with you. This is what I've experienced, you know. If you have an emotional reaction to that, then that's your reaction, that's your choice to respond that way. Um, and so this whole political correctness thing is such a barrier for many, many people to speak their truth because until everybody is speaking the truth, you know, we're going nowhere. But as I said earlier, more and more people are finding their truth and finding the courage to stand up and share it. So I see it as a good sign and I, I just feel blessed to be alive, to witness this ascension of the human race to a period of what's going to be absolutely fantastic, you know, people living in harmony uh, and cooperation instead of competition and greed, all that crap's just going to disappear when the beast dies, and it is dying. So, yeah, I just feel great to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're glad you're here too, Bob. <laughs> well, it looks like... Um, we have another caller that just called in. Let's see who is on. Hello, there's, you're on live. I would now guess. I'm talking the phone number 908. Did you want to have something you wanted to say? Maybe they're just listening. We'll put you back on hold. Philip, do you have anything you want to add? Um, well, I think that more people are speaking the truth, too. Hello, hello. It's Carol. Hi, Carol. I didn't recognize your number. Sorry about that. <laughs> How are you? Hello, hello. Hello, oh, Carol. you can't hear us? Oh. Shall I sing you the song? Oh, da, 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 How was that? Okay. <laughs> Maybe call back yet. Try again. Okay, let's see if she can call back yet and get on. Okay. 
I don't know, is Dr. Nancy still on or are you on your other? Oh, no, I'm still on. Mm -hmm. No, I'm off the other one. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Let me go. Um, do you want right to add anything? So what's going on on this show right now? Is there a topic? Yeah, oh, Carol, tell can... Carol it's our topic. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear us? Is that a okay, topic? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. Talk, talk. I want to hear it so I can I can talk too. You know I love to talk. <laughs> uh, yeah. They call me mouth. Hi. How you doing? Uh, my life is awesome, Carol, because I created it that way. Good. And, and I, I think um, you know what I think that's a that's something to talk about right there, Bob. It's Bob, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what we're doing. That's what we're doing, actually. We're talking yeah, about how, how the words that I use, the words that I choose to use, create my reality. So that's been the, the theme for the whole show, the power of words and taking responsibility for um, the words that, yeah, we use. Uh, and it all comes down to me to, well... How can I explain it? I'm a ship's captain. Um, well, that's one of the, the roles that I have. But I am master and commander of my life. And I do take full responsibility for this life that I do create. And so, so as master and commander, I was at the first time I took a boat out. It was, oh, bugger, Bob, the buck stops with you. You're responsible for the lives of all these people safety of the vessel, even the vibe on the boat. And this is 2005. But the light bulb went off, and I took that ideology of being master and commander and applied it to my whole life. And then sitting there, right, I'm master and commander. What's my life purpose? So I set my life purpose at that time to be to simply find my own truth. And how do I know what is my truth? Whatever resonates with my heart. So I just questioned everything, questioned everything. And I got so angry because I realized that 90% of what I've been taught by my parents, by the indoctrination system, by the media, was a pack of lies. But the good thing about going through that process is I know what is true for me. And I know that it's only true for me. I, I do not assume that it's true for anybody else. But the, the next thing <coughs> that I did, um, and again, it was choosing the right words, was, right, I'm a spiritual being having a physical experience. How do I want to experience this life? So I sat down and composed my own conscious life intention, which is, I am here to have a gentle, joyful, loving, healthy, and abundant life. Now, the I am part, that's invoking the power of I am, um, but it's also my address to the universe to deliver what I've commanded. So I am here to have a gentle, joyful, loving, healthy, and abundant life. And since I put that conscious life intention in place, in 2005, that is precisely how my life is unfolding. I'm just kicking back and letting the universe do all the hard work. 
So, you know, it's it's all come from choosing the right words. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, I'm just a simple bloke. You know, I serve my time as a fitter turner. And if I can get through 20 years of feeling suicidal and get to where I am now, well, I reckon just about anybody else can. But it doesn't happen sitting in front of the TV, you know. The work has to be done. You either, you either do the work during this lifetime or you'll have to go through it, start all over again and go through it in the next incarnation. Anyway, I'll share that because I can talk more than you, Carol. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's about equal. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I hear people who have that philosophy and believe that way. Now, this is just my way of looking at things. And um, I do believe that, you know, after we get to a certain point of healing, okay, now you said that you don't want to commit suicide anymore, neither do I, all right? And there's a lot of us out there um, who are abused as children who went through that suicidal ideation period in their life. And it is about choices, you know, choices. As long as you're not terribly mentally ill, you can um, you can make choices. I, I realized, you know, it was real easy, like, to uh, point my finger at this one and point my finger at that one, a whole bunch of people, okay? And um, say you're the reason that I am the way that I am today, meaning back then. And and then I had to look at myself, and that wasn't comfortable. I think some of us, you know, we, um, I, mean, I certainly know with myself, okay, that, um, I was acting out. I was doing all kinds of stuff. I'd gotten into drugs and alcohol and all that other stuff. And, um, you know, I, I said, well, it's because of, you know, what's happened to me. And there's truth to that, believe me. There is truth to that, Bob, okay? Um, we we go astray, you might say, and, and we want to escape because we're just kids. So by the time then we get into our 20s and we get into our 30s, our life is designed to be that as it is because this is how we've lived our life, you know, um, out on the street, doing all kinds of things maybe that we shouldn't have done. And you have to get to that crossroads. Is this where I want to be or am I going to change me? Because we can't fix what happened in the past. We can't change it. Uh, it happened. And, you know, I'm the night owl, and, and I get all these phone calls, and, and people, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times they're stuck, and they don't know how to move forward. They don't know how to get out of where they're at. And then I had a couple times where the people were happy that they were like could wallow, if you will, in their own... Um, well, in their own sadness, I'll put, I'm being kind here, <laughs> okay, in their own sadness because of what did happen to them. And those are the people that many times, you know, um, they can commit suicide, absolutely. We all could have, all of us. And, and there's a lot of kids today that are committing suicide. If you, um, If you ever look at the news, I don't know if you do or not, but the rates have gone sky, sky high because it's so fragile to begin with in the, in the teenage years. Think about it. And um, But when we get a little bit older, we are responsible for ourselves. We are. And, and so some of what you were saying I can absolutely agree with. I mean, 
you put yourself in a certain way, um, you know, how you were going to live your life, and this is good for you. And and I'm happy that you found that way because then you must have peace. So many people today, even if they have, say they're married and they have jobs and all this other stuff, but they were abused and they went through abuse, but they're still not at peace. They're like robots. They go around, they do what they have to do if they can, but they're not healed yet. And then they have all kinds of anger, so much anger that's built up inside because their mind keeps reverting back to what they you know, saw as a child and what happened to them as a child. So can but I respond? Again, yeah, but I think you're right because I think you're right because when you get to a certain point um, in life, yeah, you might be damaged, okay, go get help. And, and try to decide how you can feel more at peace and, and do something constructive and move on. Um, I saw it online the other day. A, a girl had written online that when you go through all kinds of child abuse that you can't move on, that you, you are damaged and that's the way you're going to be, period. That's not the way it's going to be unless you make it that way. So, you see, I'm saying some of the same things you are. Um so, so can I people... respond, Harold? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. What springs to mind is um, this question. Um, if you are not creating your life, who is? That usually uh, pisses off a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. But also in my own journey, it, it was the pain of depression. Um, yeah. And it's a very real pain. It was the, the pain of depression that gave me the motivation to go within and do the work, and, right. and that, yeah, and it's like every step I've ever taken, however painful, has brought me here to contentment. But I've you know, I've been studying depression, um, and I used to work as a project engineer for Exxon in their research facility. So I've got that sort of um, they used to call me the bone gnawer. You know, because I I drilled down to find the the microscopic truth, but for me, um, looking at this this phenomenon called mental illness, for me, there's no such thing as mental illness. And antidepressants, I created a database of all the antidepressants I'd taken over that twenty odd year period, and one of the effects, and there are no side effects; that they're all effects. One of the major effects of all the antidepressants is can, can um, produce anxiety, panic, and suicidal thoughts, and it's a no-brainer. And when I look look at the the suicide rates um, that are increasing exponentially, well, it's for me. There's two two reasons for that. The first one is. Um, Back in the 50s, and even before that, but I can't speak for that, just looking at my family and what I remember of the world then, people had more social freedoms than they do nowadays. And as time has gone by, more and more of our freedoms have been taken away uh, from us. You know, wherever I look now, there's a no, no walking sign, no dog sign, no smoking sign, no breathing sign, you know. So more and more of our natural innate freedoms we've given away by 
silent, silently acquiescing. Um, and so that just reminds me of you take a, a wild bird and put it in a cage, and what happens? It goes do lally, you know. So that's one reason. And the other reason is the the powers that think they are have this agenda to keep us away from our most powerful healing tool, and that's our feelings. Now, all the the, the major effect <coughs> I noticed of every antidepressant that I ever took was it detached me from my feelings because at that time my feelings were overpowering. I didn't know how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And so and so that that is my message to the world is for me thinking is the language of the mind but feeling is the language of the soul. Mm-hmm. And to get rid of that pain of my depression, I just had to let all these wounds that I call body memories um, discharge and I did that by letting my body do what it needed to do so I cried and cried and shouted and screamed and you know luckily I was out on the boat you know otherwise if I was in the supermarket they would have locked me up in the loony bin but it was <laughs> I, had to, I had to let go of control and that's something that people don't want to do especially blokes they don't want to lose control by crying you know but it was the feelings that did the healing. And so now, and I love, if you watch that movie Avatar, the first one, when the daughter is told that she's got to uh, train the new, um, what's his name? You know, the, that new Avatar in the ways of the Navi. She expresses her feeling to her mum straight away in the moment. She just goes, and that's it. And that's that's what I do now. Not go. Well, that, that's like a primal screen. You're yeah. going back to like uh, yes, you're going back to like psychology many years ago, when they spoke about people having a primal screen, and then therefore then releasing all the anger and the tension and the pain, the pain of what's causing you to even want to do that primal screen. I think that some of the psychology of what they had years ago, some of it was found. You know, it was founded good. It was good. It was sound, and it was um, there was nothing wrong with it. And then over the years, they they um, just you know pushed pills and, and had people take pills. And like you said, okay, but you have to remember there has to be a behavior why the person gets the pills. If they are suicidal, like I was, okay, I self-medicated. All right, we did these things, and. Um, Maybe if I'd had the proper medication, which takes time to find, and 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 actually, they might give you four or five meds at the same time because I've seen them do that. And uh, then you're okay with one med, you're not okay with this one. You have to like try to figure out which one's even right for you. And then once you get stable, then you have to have your blood levels checked on a monthly basis at first, and then every other month once you're you know so you know stable. So. But what does it do? Okay, it keeps you from a certain type of behavior. And that behavior could be self-destruction, you know, where the suicidal ideations come in. So in a sense, I can understand taking medication for that, but I also understand that people have to get in touch with their feelings to understand themselves better. Well, well, it was, it was going back to my first panic attack. 
when I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and my body's just thrashing around. <coughs> what I realised, and hindsight is always twenty twenty vision, that what I was afraid of was the power of these feelings that my body was liberating. You know, but now I realise that the power of those feelings is just a measure of how powerful I am as a being. So there was nothing to be afraid of. You know, I, I don't know anybody that's died of feelings, but I, <laughs> I know a lot of people that have died because they were afraid to feel, afraid to release those feelings. And where I'm at now is my body is so much smarter than me, it always knows what it needs to do, and it's always sending me messages. And mm -hmm. so now, I, all I have to do is listen to my body and obey. You know, mm -hmm. if, if, if my body is in pain somewhere, well, my body's giving me a message. Now, the current narrative is, oh, I've got a headache. You know, I need to go and take a paracetamol or, you know, take some pill. <laughs> and yet, really, uh, my body's just saying, hey, I'm dehydrating. Go and drink some mm -hmm. water. And so... Um, and this is just where I'm coming from, from the research that I've done, is that like all pills, you know, all pharmaceuticals are chemicals, they're petrochemicals, and they're keeping the Rockefellers rich, um, but they're also toxic. Hmm. And so I couldn't, once I've woken up, I couldn't understand the sense in why would I put a toxic chemical in my body expecting it to heal me now the way they produce these pharmaceuticals is they'll take a natural remedy that's found in nature it's a plant or a root or something and <coughs> identify one molecule in that and say well this is a this is the thing that's doing doing all the good work we'll replicate that but what they can't replicate is that within the wholeness of that plant, there's probably an, uh, a million other molecules that are all interacting with each other to produce the desired natural effect. But also, the other thing that they cannot duplicate is that plant had an energy, or has an energy, and it was connected to Mother Earth. And so, by just by taking a pill, you, you, you know, um, and it's, it's sad, it's sad. Um, well, Bob, think for a minute. What you're saying there, hold on a second. What you're saying there, think about many, 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 many years ago, okay, before they had aspirin, before they had Tylenol and things like that, they would go, they would go to the riverbank where the plants would grow, okay? Yeah. And they would, yeah, and they would take, yeah, and they would take certain plants, but they knew which ones to take. Now, I wouldn't have the faintest idea. But they knew which plants to take, and if they would chop them up, say, and, and uh, eat them, if they would get rid of their headache or whatever you know, other malady they had on their body, wherever the pain was. And, and that was like taking aspirin. It was almost like taking, to uh, I was going to say topol, that's from my heart. I do take that. <laughs> but um, whatever it was, you know, those plants, they knew where to go. Where did penicillin come from? Okay. Yeah, mold. That's right. And yet, when you think to yourself, mold, ew, I mean, no one wants to be bothered with mold. I don't, okay? 
but mm-hmm. it can be used in, in the proper way, not the black mold, though. It would have to be the white mold. In the proper way to um, that could be beneficial, and that's where the antibiotics came from, yes. So I understand where you're coming from, but when you have people, a society, say, where society has so much anger and, and so much tension right now and all these things going on, Sometimes we do have to, I believe, now this is just me speaking, all right, I believe that if you give someone um, something like a diazepam or whatever to calm them the heck down and then get them to think, because many times we we are what we came from, and uh, so that means environmental conditioning is what I'm speaking about. So when you have a mass group of people who are acting out because they're allowed to, okay, they're allowed to then you're going to have chaos on your hands. And the only way you can get a hold of that and control that chaos is sometimes you have to bring in uh, the army or something to calm them down and show them who's boss. You have to do that, Bob. You cannot just go around like in the, and say, oh, it's all going to go away and because it's not going away. Now, as far as our bodies speaking to us, Yes, I, I I agree with that. Um, look at fibromyalgia. Okay, a lot of the the survivors have fibromyalgia. They're racked with pain. Some people have more pain than others. They have it more severe than others, and that is the body speaking to the mind. Okay, hey, look, my knee hurts. Hey, look, you know, my back and my knee hurts. Hey, you know, uh, whatever hurts. Um, well, maybe you were kicked around a lot and kicked in the butt, you know what I'm saying? Um, maybe you were smacked. Uh, all kinds of things can cause this. Maybe you were humiliated as a child and you went through terrible emotional abuse. They find that with the emotional abuse, many times, that's where a lot of our pain comes from, is the emotional abuse. Sexual, yes, but emotional is even stronger. They consider that to be the worst kind of pain. Now, this is what they're finding out through studies. I know because I study it. So our, our bodies do tell us. They do talk to us, you know, and they, and it's how we as a, a people, okay, if people need to take medication and if it makes them feel better and it's under control, I'm not going to be anyone to say you shouldn't take it. Uh, that's me. Uh, on the other hand, if you can go back, you know, and and – you know, to the days where they went to the banks and they did get, they knew which weeds to take, which would look like weeds to me anyway, you know, and and put together all different kinds of um, concoctions, if you will, that would do the same thing in a natural state. That's fine. There's a lot of natural people out there, naturalists, but they know what they're doing and they would know which ones to take at the bank. I'm not like that. So, Whatever people need, okay, and I think that people should be allowed to have feelings because, you see, our feelings, if we work with the right people who understand those feelings, they can guide us, they can help us and explain why we're having those feelings, and you can go back to where those feelings started from, say, terrible child abuse. And why wouldn't we have some sort of problem later on, especially later on, uh, from what happened to us when we were a child? So it's all like a circle. It's all like a circle. 
and yet it all makes sense if you think about it. It's how you take care of it, how I take care of it, how anybody else takes care of it. That's how I look at it. Well, in the groups that I've um, facilitated um, with other people that were um, doing the work of healing the wounds of childhood and getting in touch with feelings, um, one way would be to, like in group, if somebody wanted to work on anger, like for, mm-hmm. for me, I wasn't allowed anger because that was mum's domain. She she had all the anger. And so my programming was I had to be the nice boy, the, the smart boy, the people pleaser. Um, but, you know, um, every time something happened and I felt angry, I had to swallow it. I had to swallow it. And so it mm-hmm. just went into the pressure cooker until finally one day, Somebody would say something slightly innocuous, and they'd probably get, you know, a, a volcano. The last whole year of me swallowing all these little bits of anger, I'd vomit on them. So what I do in the, in the group environment, if somebody wants to work on anger, but just create a safe space with a load of bean bags and a lot of telephone books and a, a bit of 4 by 2 and because these people have gone back and and are in touch with the the anger that they um, this suppressed as a child, I just just l- let them go, you know, get it out ah, and just beat the mm-hmm. phone books. You know? And mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. When I, that's where the kicking bags that, come from. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When I, when I went through that, I had about fifteen telephone books in front of me, and then ten minutes later, I was totally exhausted. And all that was left was a pile of paper mache. But I'm, you know, and it, it's, it's that. You were mad, Bob. <laughs> you were mad. Go ahead. I get it. But, yeah, it's it, and all of that shit was trapped in me as a body memory from the wounds I suffered as a child. Well, hmm. even so, let me say something, then we should find out where's the rest of the people. Um, um, if we hold in our feelings... If we're not allowed to express them, it makes us sick, okay? Whether it be physically. I mean, look, um, I was never allowed to speak up. If I stood up for myself, I got whacked in the head. So then I developed all kinds of migraines. I had the type of migraines where you see zigzag and colors and and, and all these kind of weird things. And I got really scared. I, I, I asked a doctor once, what is that? And there is a certain name for it, type of migraine. Uh, No pain, but you lose your eyesight. I can lose my eyesight for 20 minutes because I've clocked it now. I've had them so many times now, finally. And uh, God forbid, one time I was driving, and and, uh, I felt that weird sensation come across my eyes, and I was starting to lose my eyesight. I had to pull over. Thank God there was some place to pull over, too. Say I wasn't on the highway or something. So I sat there and I relaxed. I relaxed. I made myself relax and I was able to. And all these zigzag colors, um, I know that sounds weird. It's not a mental condition. What it is, it's a migraine, but it's brought on by stress. So migraines can either be very painful, which are the ones people know more about, because many of them have it, right? And, or the the type that I have, which isn't quite as, um, you know, it's, it's more rare that you have that. 
I had one the other day. I was all filled with stress. Thank God I was home. And I was able to, um, you know, get myself out of it. But I know where it comes from. So if we're not allowed to express our feelings, if we're not allowed to say, hey, I was beaten up as a kid too much. Hey, I was sexually abused as a kid and one time is too many. Hey, all these things that we went through as children, it's going to take a toll on our bodies. But we have to get in control of that toll that is taking on our bodies and work with it. And if need be, go get help. Um, And for God's sake, don't dibble-dabble like I did with pills and all that other stuff because that just makes it worse. I was taking things like like quaaludes. Do you remember quaaludes back in the day? (laughs) No, thankfully. Thankfully, um, one thing I'd love to say is, Mm. just just from my own um, experience, is the feelings that you swallow will one day come back and choke you. Yeah. That's it in a nutshell. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what happens so often. And, and you know what? Then people might have trouble swallowing. You see, then they start putting the psychological behind it. Well, why is this person having trouble swallowing? So they check their throat out. They give them an endoscopy, as they call it. The other end is a colonoscopy. <laughs> All right. So with the throat, you get the endoscopy. And they go down and they look to they go down and they look to see you know that you don't have like Barrett's disease or or something else going on there. So then, if that if you come out with a clean slate from that, then they would consider it more of a psychological problem. Yeah. Well, I had a, a very long period of severe migraines that would you know just immobilize me. And mm-hmm. I had a brain scan, and I was pleased to see I had a brain. You know, it was great looking <laughs> at the picture. <laughs> but it, but as soon as I changed medication, um, the migraines went away. So when I look back at all the different meds I took in in my ignorant phase, if you like, my my mm-hmm. uninformed phase, each one had a major effect. So um, benzodiazepines. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, gave me um, erectile dysfunction. Um, mm-hmm. The next, the next one gave me migraines, and Zoloft. Oh God! Two weeks before I performed at Fairbridge Festival, I'd switched to Zoloft, um, and it was prescribed to me by a psychiatrist. It looked like he was the head of the KGB. You know, he had mm-hmm. he's a chain smoker. And he was actually a Russian guy living in Fremantle in Western Australia. Um, But I'm walking around the festival site with what felt like fire ants crawling around inside my skull. I'll finish with this because I've got to go. But for me, if you look at the, um, the rate of increase of suicides across the world, they're mm-hmm. exponential. But mm-hmm. if you look at Look at also look also at the sales of antidepressants. They are also exponential. Mm-hmm. Now, if antidepressants were effective, why are suicide rates increasing? Anyway, I've got to go now, folks. So, thanks so much for a, an awesome discussion. And yeah, I'll see you next week. 
Goodbye, Bob. Good night, night. everybody. Yeah, that was really good. I enjoyed listening to you and Bob, Carol. (laughs) Oh, I lost her. Carol left. Mm -hmm. Everybody say good night. I know. Everyone say good night. Well, is there anything anybody else wants to add to that discussion? I thought it was pretty. What are some things to do for depression? What are some things to take for depression? To do for depression? Hmm? Yeah, I um, do. I do. mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, to be honest with you, you know, I sometimes I literally will listen to music. I try to, like, listen to positive words. So sometimes I listen to gospel or sometimes I listen to a good um, this inspirational song that uplifts me, I try to get some rest, and I try to practice some self-love. And I stay away from people who trigger me. I stay far away from people who trigger me, especially when I know I'm, like, in a very sensitive state. Um, I just stay away from people who don't respect, who don't respect me or don't make me feel good. And I just focus on things that make me feel better about myself. Um, Sometimes I Google scriptures. Um, If I'm dealing with a specific issue, a certain stress, I'll Google scriptures to kind of help me kind of with that, what I'm feeling at that time. And, um, yeah, and and sometimes I listen to, like, T.D. Jakes. He's um, a bishop. And or my, I, I listen to sermons at my church, uh, whether it's online or in person. And those things help to uplift me. I have to just surround myself around positive words and and just protect my peace. I'm very big on that. And that actually has been very helpful to me. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, you kind of like may feel like you're staying away from everyone, but. To be honest with you, sometimes you have to take a little step back and find groups that help support you. So peer support groups are good. Um, yeah, just positive groups, positive people. Thanks. What do you do? Music, um, walking, and exercise, and reaching out to friends. Music, walking, exercise, and reaching out to friends. That was good. I agree with those things. What you do, um, Kim? Yeah, I I listen to music and, and exercise. I think dancing around, that's kind of what I do to exercise in the way of dance. And so I enjoy just kind of moving. And I notice that when I don't, do my stretches or my exercises every day, then I feel a lot more stressed. I'm a lot more tense. Mm. But yeah, there's also um, Philip, have you ever heard of ashwagandha? That's a natural 
herb that you can get at the store at the pills, you know, like in a pill form, and that's supposed to help, too, your stress level. And I take that every day, no matter what. I don't wait for stress to come up. I just take it. <laughs> mm. Hopefully, on an even keel all day. Mm-hmm. That was good. Was that um, helpful? Yes. Yeah. I know um, some people, you're welcome. I know some people enjoy, um, you know, I really, I I made a comment the other day. I was like, I want to start playing with horses, (laughs) you know. And literally, I'm like, you know, I need to, like, find something different to do. And um, I started considering different things. So sometimes it's good to just kind of tap in and be like, all right, if I was able to do something different, what would it be? And that kind of helps you, you know, explore different things that you want to try. I went uh, painting, and I had a great time, you know, that that, – the painting class that they have where you do the steps and then you start um, creating a beautiful masterpiece with the groove, you know, that was something pretty cool that I did and I enjoyed it. Neat. Yeah, trying different things. Healing through all that. Being open to trying different things because a lot of times they're not. Yeah. We don't want to be open to that. I know I do it. Sometimes I fight it. Oh, yeah. Being open to try different things. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, we get stuck in our ways. We do what feels comfortable. You know, we're not doing it with bad intent. It's just what we get used to doing. We get comfortable. But sometimes it's good to try things outside of the box. I find that when I try things that are outside the box, sometimes I actually end up liking it. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you, Dr. Nancy. Yeah. Carol, I see you call back in. Yeah. You know when when <laughs> when Bob hung up, I'm I'm in my living room, I don't have a clock in here. I thought it was the end of the show. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to hang up on you. <laughs> God. So then I looked at my I was like, um, only my phone. To Bob. <laughs> well, I've spoken to him before. Okay, so yeah, from years ago actually. But um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I looked at my phone. I go, oh, it's only nine fifteen, dummy. <laughs> so it is almost over, I think. But you yeah, know, I was I was just listening. You know, I I used to take everything out with um, you know, I was very athletic. I told you that before, and that helped me, you know, to uh, get rid of my stress levels. And um, but then it didn't work anymore. And then that's when I went to the uh, you know the alcohol and the drugs because I think the pain was too deep. And when you're a kid, you don't know how to get out of that pain. You can't think logically. And I think today too. We have a lot more things available, you know, like you were talking about painting classes, I was listening, and, and things mm-hmm. like that. And um, and those, of course, are a better way to handle stress than what I did, okay? <laughs> I don't advocate anybody do that. But, you know, um, if people can just 
get in touch with their feelings. A little bit of what he was saying, I can, I get it, okay? And it's okay to be in touch with your feelings and uh, then direct them in a positive way because positivity is something that we so often lack. There's a lot of people out there that don't have any positive feelings about anything, not themselves, not anything. And those are the ones you have to really watch out for. Is this Michael by any chance? I'm curious. Who, who's on the phone? I don't, oh, I don't Philip? Know. oh, is that Philip? My oh, God. Is that like... Philip? Oh, my word. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah, no, it almost sounded but, like somebody else was on your line or something, Carol. I heard another Yeah, I heard, I heard something. Else I, yeah, I, I, I heard something, too, and I didn't know who it was. <laughs> But there's a, there's a lot of feedback right now. I don't know what that is. I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah. I can hear that. But, yeah, it's it's dangerous. You know, we we many times are a danger to ourselves. I mean, here, I'm this panic child, right? So I know what he was talking about, uh, Bob. And um, I, I say it to Jesus, okay? Uh, I didn't – I was given pills for that. And, and they didn't understand panic attacks when I had them because I had them from the age of 9 to 49. And that's a long time to have panic. And, and yes, it did interfere with my life a lot in all different ways. Um, finally, I got so blasted mad at having no damn panic attacks. that um, And people could see it. I think that's the worst part. Um, the last time I had a major panic attack, and I tell people this, Maybe it'll help them. It helped me. I don't know. Um, I was standing in line in a store, and this guy was looking at me. And um, I, I guess I felt intimidated or something. I don't know what I felt. And um, I felt myself going into panic mode, all right? And when you go into panic mode, a lot of times you can't control it. So first I started to shake, and then I started to blush, and my heart was pounding, pounding so hard I thought it was going to pound out of my chest. And um, and it's very embarrassing because then, then humiliation comes in with it because you know you're starting to sweat too. Those are major panic attacks. I got so freaking mad at my panic attack. <laughs> I say it to God that I started cursing in my brain, not out loud, don't worry about it. It was in my brain. And um, I, because I'd had it, I'd had it, because it was defining my life, my panic. I wouldn't go certain places or I wouldn't do certain things because I might have a panic attack, right? So I actually controlled my panic by becoming so angry at it because it was keeping me from even doing what was I had to do as, as chores, and I did that three different times after that, having three more panic attacks, and they went away. Now, that's nuts, maybe. That but was good. It, it, it worked with me, and that's the only thing I can say. Now, today, what kind of a mouth do I have? I'm always going, blah, 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 huh? Before, I couldn't even make phone calls. <laughs> I wouldn't even want to do anything because I, I was too filled with um, maybe terrible low self-esteem. I don't know. What, I mean, child abuse does terrible things to people. And um, 
Mine started at the city pool in, in New York when I was lived in Staten Island, nine years old. And this guy was staring at me. He looked like he wanted to kill me. I say that to God. Mm-hmm. And i never seen this guy before. And I went into meltdown. That was my first panic attack. Mm. You kind of remember yeah. that first one, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I lost a friend because of it. They actually let us take the city bus uh, to the pool. This is, shows the difference in times, right? And um, yeah. there's a ways away. And, and uh, quite frankly, um, I, she didn't want to be my friend anymore. I lost a friend. Yeah. She just didn't know how to deal with it. I mean, and she probably has never seen that. She didn't no. know what to do. So. And I didn't know what it was either. I was just a kid. Okay. Right. You didn't know what was going on. Well, thank you all for being on today, this evening, and for this great discussion. Thank you. for joining us, Carol and Philip. We're glad you're always here. So I hope you all have a great night, and we'll see you back tomorrow night. Okay, honey. Good night. Take care, everyone. Good night now. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Another tomorrow. Cause that's gonna